0: The word today, God, and let you know that we love you, we bow before you, we extol you, we exalt you, God. You are everything as we sing, God. You are the center of our life, you are the center of our church, Lord Jesus. We reverence you, we honor you because you deserve all the glory, Lord God. Before we utter one word, God, we want to say thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord God. Thank you for how you reveal yourself to us, Lord God. Thank you for the mountaintops. Thank you for the valleys, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the good and thank you for the bad, Lord God. But we just want to let you know that we love you so much, Lord God, because we know how much you have loved us, God. Every time we see that cross, God, we see how much you loved us, Lord Jesus. And Father, thank you, God, for continuing to have your way as we continue our service, Lord God. Father, we love you and thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, Amen, amen. and Amen, Amen, Amen. Uh, some time ago, I was—I uh, think I shared this a while ago. I was at the uh, the beach with my son David. We were walking on the beach a while ago, <clears throat> and I think I wrote this in a devotion a while ago. We are on the beach and we we're picking shells, and I was picking up all these beautiful, nice. Nice big clam shells and all these uh, uh, other shells. They were so nice. And I saw Dave and he had a little little, uh, little basket and he's put all the shells in. So I went to go see his shells and all his shells were broken. They were all just pieces of shells. And I said, Dave, what do, you, what do you have pieces of shells? You know, throw them away. Why don't you just just hold the, the, the big shells, the good shells? And Dave just went, I, I love the broken shells. And that so spoke to me because God loves us, broken shells. Amen. We're all kind of broken, amen, in, uh, in ways. And God loves us so much, amen. God loves us so much. We all, get, we all get kind of broken every now and then. That's why we need God. We need God to, to fix what we break in our lives. We need God to mend what we tear. We need God to restore what we neglect. We need God to, to, to find what we lose. We need God to fill again what we empty sometimes. And we need God to begin again sometimes what we think is over. And God can do that because He's a good God. Amen? Let me ask you a question, a rhetorical question. What are some really good big decisions that we make as, as people? What, j- just yell it out. What are some good decisions that we make? What are some important decisions that we make? Uh, name, name one, name one. What is it? That? Marriage. That's so important, right? Shake your head, Lou. Yes, that's, that's so important. What other? Marriage? What other? Huh? Tom? Following God. Following God. Probably one of the most important decisions we could ever make. What else, Mary? Forgiving somebody, an, an amazing decision. What What else? What other important decisions? Yeah. Who we surround ourselves with, friends and people. Uh, that's so important. It tells a lot about us, right? Pardon me? Having a, Having a child. Oh, that's so important. It really is. What else? One or two more. What's a, Tom? Showing love, Showing love. making the decision to show love for one another. And that's a big decision sometimes, Amen. One or two more. What are the big decisions do we do we make? What are the big decisions? Everyday decisions. What else? Way in the back there. Yes. Was yes. that? Yes. What did she say? Buying a, Buying a home. Yes, we need to buy a home and keep it and pay for it. Absolutely. Yes. And what's one more? Yes. Money. Money. See, you would say that, Nelly. Money. That's you. <laughs> but it's true. How we how we spend money and how we do that. And these are all really really important decisions, aren't they? There's some decisions that we make are, are are little and some are pretty big, but I found out in some of those bigger decisions, sometimes, you know what, it really uh, affects how our life is lived. It really, uh, those defining moments of those decisions really affects the trajectory of our life. I think there's there's two great decisions that 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 we make. I know, and all these other decisions are, are so important as well. But I think first and foremost, the first decision that we always make is, is as we said, uh, coming to Christ. Just coming to Christ and asking him to come into our heart, changing our life, repenting of our our sinful ways and having him change us and being born again. And that's the most important decision we could ever make. But but I, I heard a while ago, and listening to a pastor friend of mine speak that, there was another important decision. And that important decision is, what do we do the moment we fail God? What do we do? What do we do when we blow it? What do we do when we make a mistake? What do we do when sin overtakes us? What, what do we do at that time? Now, I know I'm not talking to anybody here because I know I, I just want to talk to people who failed and who, who miss it. I know it's none of you guys. I know that. Uh, but no, we all have fallen short. Uh, at one time or another, we've all blown it. We've all missed God and something here and there. So what do we do when that happens? What do we do? There's some people that... Run away from God. To some people that try to ignore it. To some people that try to just make believe it didn't happen. And we kind of go on. What, what do we do in those, in those times? Because what we do reflects a lot about what we believe about God and what we believe about ourselves. What we do in those times when, when we've learned. Uh, just for the sake of it, has anybody here ever failed God? A big thing, a little thing. Just Have you ever, yeah. have you ever made a mistake? Have you ever had those moments where, what was I thinking? Have you ever had them? I'm like, "What was going on? What was that? You know And, and we all have we've blown it. we've, we've all done that, and, and God knows that. And when we do that, a couple of things happen. First thing that happens is when we fail God in big things, little things, whatever it be. First thing, we got that accuser, that devil comes around. And what do you start to do? He starts to pummel you. He starts to say all these things, boy, you blew it. You should have knew better." All these things come, all these, especially when we know that we failed God in some way. He comes and says, you should have knew better. You've been in the Lord, this and that, whatever. Or God is so mad at you. Or God is done with you. And all these things come, all these lies and all these uh, attacks come from the devil to, to try to pull us away from God. To try to get us so down. Isn't it true he knocks us when we're down? I mean, uh, that, that's his specialty, when we're down, he comes with all these lies that you shouldn't do but God's never gonna use you again. God is mad at you, you blew it, it's over, blah, 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 all these things. Has the devil any lied to anybody here uh when we're down? Yeah, he he does that. He comes at, he comes at. And sometimes he he takes hold and sometimes we listen to that. And there's a lot of people I know that allow, listen to that garbage and they either walk away from God, walk away from a ministry God put on their heart, walk away from family. Some people walk away from a marriage. We we we've seen that. That accuser comes and tries to keep us down. But I love that phrase in the word of God that says, but God, but God. Oh, my Lord, thank you, Jesus. But God, because God will never fail you, praise God, amen? God's not surprised by your failure. He's not surprised by your mistake. He knows you too well. He knows the end from the beginning, praise God. And stop thinking that God is mad at you. And and I don't believe he gets disappointed in us because he knows us. That love just so covers us, praise God. But we all go through those situations and those times where we feel that. But God never fails. I think when we in a situation where we we fail God, where we make a mistake, where we blow it, where sin overtakes us, what do we do? I think the first thing we have to do is just what David did uh, in Psalm 51, uh, verses 3 and 4. We should have it up on the screen, I think, is to, one, acknowledge, hey, Lord, I blew it. Hey, Lord, I, 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 I did this, God. I, I blew it. We don't have to run away from it. We don't have to hide it because God knows we can't hide anything from God, can we? we can't. Well, no, but some people try, but we can't hide anything from God. It's to acknowledge it. Psalm 51, verse 3 says, For I acknowledge my transgression, Lord, and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be uh, found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. And sometimes we, we just simply have to own what we have done. Big, little, and different. praise God, and, and not try to hide it, and not try to cover it over, not try to, 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 to put different words on it and rename it. We don't have to rename anything. I think we have to call what is and go before God, and we got to run to God and depend on him. He's got to be our reliance in that time. God, you've got to do something. You've got to change me, Lord God. I fall upon your grace and mercy, God, and to run to him, not from him. Don't, don't, don't run to man first. Run to God first. Get man's counsel later, but, but run to God first. God, I blew it. I'm so sorry. I sinned against you, Lord God. I own that, Lord God, but I'm falling on your grace, God. I'm falling on your mercy, Lord God. I'm coming to you, my Lord Jesus, and he loves that. And we come to him with a repentant heart. See, this is it. We come with a repentant heart. A heart that says, Lord, I'm sorry. I did it, Lord, absolutely. But, Lord, I am sorry, Lord God. I repent of my sin, God. I repent of of that mistake or allowing sin to overwhelm me, God, or whatever it may be. Lord, I repent because when we repent, listen to me. There's a a brokenness and contriteness in our heart. There's no devil in hell that can take away that broken and contrite heart. Hell hates a broken heart. Hell hates a contrite heart. Hell hates a repentant heart. Why? Because they can't do nothing about it, praise God. Amen? Because that broken heart comes to God, and God covers us. God covers us. When we have that brokenness, that contrite heart, that sorrow for sin, that true repentance, God covers you. And no devil in hell is going to get through with that, praise God. And that's why the devil hates repentance. That's why he hates brokenness and, and a contrite heart. Why? Because God covers you and God holds you and God values that. And that's where God can work. Well, I know a lot of people who are sorry they got caught, but not sorry that, that their heart was so do. I remember when I used to work for the uh, school system years ago uh, in Jersey. I was a, a drug and alcohol counselor, student assistance counselor. I was, I was a little bit of everything. And I remember one time someone, one of the kids got busted with drugs. And so I got a, uh, and he suffered great consequences. I got a note from the parents. It said, Dear, Dear Angelo, I uh, wasn't pastor then, Dear Angelo, he says, uh, I'm so sorry that Johnny got caught. He'll never get caught again. <laughs> I called the parent up. We had a lengthy discussion after that. But some people are are just sorry, I I got caught, I'm suffering this thing, I I blew it. No, there's got to be that godly remorse, that broken and contrite heart. That's where God starts to restore. That's where God starts to work in that broken heart, those that broken shell we bring before him. That's where he starts to work, praise God. But I think the hard part about restoration is that when we repent and have the heart of repentance, there comes a time of affliction. There comes a time of chastening that God does. And that's good because he loves us. Where did God say he chastened those he loves? He brings us into a time to change our heart. He brings us into a season in our life where he doesn't want to let those things stay, where, where the, word, the word of God calls it uh, an, an affliction, an affliction of heart. And what that means is he allows us to go through a dark night of the soul. He allows us to go through a dark time where he's reaching deep inside our heart to change us, to grow us, to love us through it. He never stops loving us. As we sang tonight, he never forsakes us, never lets us go. He's always there, but sometimes he risks being misunderstood because he allows a time of affliction to go deep in our hearts. See, see God wants to reach us, and sometimes we don't listen when things are good. We don't listen when we're filled with the blessings. And, and we should, absolutely. But sometimes God can only reach us through the trial of affliction sometimes. And, and David speaks about that. And David knows about that, the time of affliction, that broken spirit. In Psalm 119, if you have your Bibles, please turn there. In Psalm 119, right in verse 67, let me get there. David speaks a couple times about this affliction Because God is in the process of restoring. Hey, listen, God is not done with you. We may have blown it. We may have made the worst decision in our life. We may feel like it's all over, maybe suffering horrendous consequences, but listen to me, God can turn that thing around. God can turn your life around. God can turn those situations around. Through the fire, yeah. Through a time of affliction, yeah. Yeah. So hold on, we're going to speak about that, but it's going to get good in a second, amen? In Psalm 119, verse 67, the word of God says, as David wrote, says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. David was saying, before I was afflicted, I was going astray. Lord, I I got off direction, Lord God. And that's what happens. We, we get off direction. We, self comes in, flesh comes in, and we get off track. And sometimes when we don't listen to God's call, he allows an affliction to come. Why? Not because he hates you. Not because he wants to just knock you out. To get you back on track sometimes. Amen? And that's what God does. And sometimes he'll allow that hard place to come. He'll allow that affliction to come, that, that dark night of the soul. Why? Because he loves you. And because he wants to be there for you and change the direction of your life. And that's what David said. Lord, I was going astray. David says, Lord, I I blew it. But in that time of affliction, God, you got me back on track. See, sometimes you may be suffering a tough thing right now. That's okay. Let God be God. He loves you. If you have that repentant heart, not a remorseful heart, that repentant heart, and you go before him, even though you're in that time of affliction, God is working in that thing. He's working in that dark spot. Trust him trust him. Lord, I trust you. When you don't even know what he's doing, Lord, I trust you. Most of the time, I don't know what he's doing, but I trust you, Lord. And David kind of repeated that in Psalm 119, verse 71. He says, and it does sound kind of strange, but he says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. Well, it's good I'm going through hell right now, God. It's good I'm really just suffering and just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it it is good. Trust me, because God's in there for you. Why? Because you're saying it's good for you. It's for your benefit because God is trying to get that thing in you. God's trying to get that thing in you that you weren't listening on a mountaintop and he's praying you're gonna listen in the valley, praise God, because he loves you and doesn't wanna lose you to that thing, amen? So David cried out, Lord God, it's good for me that I'm in this tough season right now. Why? You're working deep in me, Lord God. And you got to trust that. you got to trust that. That in that time where all hell seems to be breaking loose, where everything seems to be going, even when you think God has forsaken you, like we're saying today, he hasn't forsaken you. But because he loves you and wants to get at that thing in your heart, that he's been trying to get at for the longest time, and maybe you weren't listening. In that time of affliction, he's saying to you, listen to me, I love you. Just trust me right now. Do what I tell you to do. Trust me. We're going to come out of this. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to make it new, trust me. Just don't walk away. And David cries out in Psalm 119, verse 75, he says, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. God's being faithful to you because he said he would never forsake you, never leave you. And sometimes it's going to be the blessings, absolutely. But sometimes with God, it's going to be the hard place sometimes. And that's okay because he's there with you. He's there with you. That's why depend on him to know that he knows what he's doing. Trust him. And even in that hard place... You stay in prayer. You stay in the word. You stay in church. You stay doing those godly things. Why? He's trying to change all the mistakes you've made. He's trying to get you in that place to be restored and to maybe restore that God's dream he put in your heart and to maybe restore a vision God gave you, maybe restore a marriage, maybe restore a lifestyle, maybe restore a relationship with a child, maybe restore something if you would just allow him to be God through the furnace of affliction sometimes. And sometimes it's hard. Listen, sometimes it's hard. I know that. When it's hard, especially, I just go, God, I trust you. God, I trust you because I know you love me, God. I feel like I might be forsaken, God. I feel like you're way over there, God. I feel like you're mad at me. But we learned a long time ago that we don't go how we feel with God. We don't don't judge our walk by how we feel. Why? Because feelings are subject to change. Feelings go up and down. When was the last time you were angry? You remember that? Don't get crazy, Darlene, all right? When was the last time time you were happy? Things change. That's why we don't go by how we feel. We go by, God, your word. Your word says this, God. So rather than go with how I feel, God, I'm going with your word, Lord God. And your word says that you're with me. And your word says that you love me, God. And your word says that you never leave me or forsake me, Lord God. God, no matter how I feel, i am making a decision to go with your word, Lord God, to go with your word. Amen? Amen. Praise God. But I know in that, in that dark night sometimes it's a time of despair, and sometimes I think what God uses sometimes is, is, is isolation. He gets you away from people, places, and things to kind of make things new. And sometimes we need to get away from some people, some places, and some things that we do and get alone with God. Get alone with God. That's one of the greatest blessings I could ever share with you today, to get alone with him. Take the time. We get so barraged by so many things and we get so busy, even doing good things. But there's a a place where you need to get alone with him and let him minister to you. Let him speak to you. Oh, there's been plenty of times I'll, I'll go in my secret closet of prayer, which is a, a big chair by my fireplace, and, and I'll sit there and I'll start praising God or worshiping. And many times God said, shh, 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 shh. Let me speak to you. Let me just hold you. And sometimes that's all I need. That's all I need. There's a time to pray, there's a time to worship. I was doing that last night on my front step, just praising God outside and people walking by and waving. That's good, hallelujah. But there's a time to just get alone with him and let him hold you. When's the last time you were still and he just held you and somehow put on your heart, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I got you. He's not going to let you go. But in that dark night, sometimes it's, it's a hard situation. It really is. The word of God speaks about treasures in darkness. And I believe what part of it is, is in those dark times in our life where we're going through an affliction or a chastening, in that dark time, there's a treasure what is that treasure? That treasure is his presence. That treasure is his comforting word. That treasure is his love that just overwhelms you and wave after wave after wave of his love that never lets you go. That treasure in that darkness that never lets you go. See, God's grace is greater than your failure. God's grace is greater than your sin. God's grace is greater, it's greater. I found out repentance deals with what we've done. But affliction deals with who we are, who we are in here. And that's where God changes us, praise God. And God does change us. It all depends on what we do. When, when he tries to get us something in our heart, or when he shows us something about ourselves, what's our reaction? When he shows you something about your heart, do we, do we kind of, some people deny it and say, that's not me. That, that, that's not me. I remember one time a, a few weeks ago, uh it was almost bedtime we're going to bed and uh dave was home and uh i was upstairs i heard the cookie jar open up and uh i saw the cookies and were missing and i went over to dave and did you did you did you eat all these cookies dave he go no wasn't me it wasn't you it's me and you in the house who is it It wasn't me i always joke it was the maid the maid comes in puts the dishes in the sink and does all that right but sometimes, even in the face of an 8 by 10 glossy of us doing something, we, we tend to deny it sometimes. That's not me, Lord God, you know? And we tend to deny what God wants to put his, put his hand on. Or sometimes what happens, we try to avoid talking about it. Or we avoid dealing with that situation. We, we avoid people, places, and things. We avoid sometimes church. We avoid sometimes talking to people who kind of know us. We avoid touching things and, 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 and meeting with people. We, we avoid certain things. Why? I don't want to deal with it. And you can't make me. And we avoid stuff. And God says, no, no, no. It's going to come around sooner or later. You can pay me now. You can pay me later. But the word of God says, not only that do we avoid it, but what we do is we try to minimize it and rationalize it. Oh, my sin is not that bad. At least I'm not killing anybody. At least I'm not doing this. No, no, sin is sin. And we try to rationalize it. Again, I shared one time I was on the phone with a, a Christian woman who was older in years and I was talking to the phone and she was cursing up a storm on the phone. I mean, every word, I mean, well, whoa, and this woman has been around a long time in a word. And, and I just said, excuse me a second, stop cursing. Stop, I'm going to hang up, stop cursing. Well, I do this because I'm Italian, says, I'm a tiny and I don't curse like that anymore. And we, we rationalize what we do sometimes. And God says, no, we don't, we don't rationalize it. We don't do that. We avoid it. We try to control. Well, I just want to share for a few minutes, who are some people that God restored in the Bible? Uh, what was their story? Uh, if they had a repentant heart and God restored, if they didn't have a repentant heart, God just kind of let them be where they are. But what, is, what happens when God tries to restore us? How, wh- what gets in the way? First people I can think about is, is Adam and Eve. Remember Adam and Eve? Not personally, you remember them, right? Here's Adam and Eve, and, and they sin in, in the Garden of Eden. We know that. We know the story. They sin in the Garden of Eden. Uh, the serpent was there and tempted Eve, and Eve gave it to Adam. So we know that story. So here comes God, and he's on the scene, and he's, he goes to him. He says, Adam and Eve, and i paraphrasing the story, obviously. What would you do? What, what, what happened? What did you do? And what was their response to God trying to get at something in their heart? If they would have went before God, and said, "Lord, we just blew it. We are sorry, Lord God. We got tempted God, We fell short. Forgive us." That would have been a whole different story. But what did they do? What did uh, what did did Eve do? Eve, the devil. God, did, he made me do it. You know, the devil. Yeah. And what did Adam do? Lord, the wife you gave me, it wasn't my fault. It was her, Lord God. They blamed each other. If God's trying to get at something in your heart, stop trying to blame somebody for how it got there. Stop trying to blame people for where we are. Oh, I know people can contribute things. I know that. I understand that. But you made that decision. Stop blaming parents. Stop blaming children. Stop blaming pastors. Stop blaming this. No, no, no. Lord God, I made a decision to do something. And I just believe if Adam and Eve would just repent it, God would have restored them. I, I, just, I just happen to believe that. Here you have Father Abraham, and Father, Father of faith, great man of God, Father of faith. He also failed God several times. And God restored him because he had a heart for God. But one of the times that he, uh, that he failed God, he was uh, traveling, I think it was in Egypt, he came before Abimelech, and he lied about his wife, Sarah. He told the king that Sarah was his sister, not his wife, trying to save his own life. He didn't want to get in trouble. So what did he do? He lied. And sometimes what happened, to save our own skin, we lie sometimes. We exaggerate. We, we lie. And God says, no, I'm trying to get that thing out of you. And thank God he did here. He got that out of Abraham. But, but Abraham failed God. He lied. And he did a couple of things down the road, but he, he failed God. But God restored him. Why? Abraham's heart was for God. And Abraham knew there was a process of growing, praise God. See, catch yourself. When God is trying to get at something in your heart, don't lie about it. Don't try to get out of something or or try to make someone think of you a certain way by lying and not telling the truth. Just kind of admit what we do, praise God, and and just go before God and say, God, I, I need you to change me. Just like Jacob did. Jacob in Genesis chapter 32. I love Jacob. We know Jacob. Jacob was a manipulator. He, he lied, he he held his brother's foot. Even uh, when he was born, he stole his brother's birthright, stole the blessing from his father. Uh, he was a manipulator. He, he even got manipulated himself, married the wrong woman. He had a, a life of manipulation, life of fooling people, a life of not being authentic, a life of not being real, praise God. And, and one day he wrestled with an angel, wrestled with the Lord, and what did he say? If you remember the story in Genesis chapter 32, verse 26, the word of God says, he wrestled with this angel and he held on to him he held on to him and he says i'm not going to let you go <clears throat> until you bless me in other words until you change me because what was in his heart he knew who he was he knew he was a failure he knew he he he, he hurt god he knew he he grieved the holy spirit he, he knew all that but there was something in his heart that said i don't want to live like that anymore lord god I don't want to be that manipulator. I don't want to be that, that, that guy who just gets by. I don't want to be that guy who fakes all the time and has to come up with a story. Lord, change me, God. Make me authentic. Make me real. Bless me, God. Change me by your word, Lord God. And God did that. But there's something inside of him that says, Lord, I don't want to live like this anymore, God. I don't want to play games. I don't want to play church anymore, God. I don't want to play Christian anymore, God. I don't want to play this. I want to be real, Lord God. And no matter what I am, God, I want to be real. And God change him. That's why I love when God says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I love the end of Jacob because it says, I am the God of those who fail. I am the God of those who need to be restored. I'm the God of Angela. I'm the God of Bob. I'm the God of, 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 of Darlene. I am the God of each one of us who need to be fixed, praise God. The God of Jacob, and I love that. Thank you, God, that you're the God of Angelo, Lord God, who changes us and grows us, Lord God. Thank you, my Lord Jesus. Oh, this one is a, is a great one. We have. Do you remember Aaron? Roses? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Moses, brother. I want you to turn there in Exodus chapter 32. Let's go there. I just want you to see this. Talk about God trying to get at something in your heart and kind of not listening. Here's Aaron, Moses' brother. Now, we know the story. Moses is up in the mountain getting the word, getting the Ten Commandments. And he comes down, and he sees everybody partying. Uh, they said, Moses, where, we don't know where he is. He hasn't come down for all this time. So they start to party out and live in revelry. They, they take all the, Aaron asked him to, to take all the silver and gold, the jewelry and this and that, and he, and he threw it in the fire. And they made the golden calf. Remember that story about the golden calf? But listen to what Aaron said. When God was trying to get at Aaron's heart, Because Aaron did a terrible thing. Look at Aaron's response. In Exodus 32, right in verse, uh, let's see, uh, 22. Exodus 32, 22. Probably help on the screen too, all right? Aaron, uh, excuse me, Exodus 32, verse 22. So Aaron said, now Moses confronted him. So Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. He's blaming the people. You know how those people are, Lord. You know how they are. Verse 23 says, For they said to me, Make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what's become of him. The people murmured. And look at verse 24. And Aaron speaking, And I said to them, Look at this self righteous guy. And I said to them, Whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and this calf came out. I don't know what happened, Lord. I threw the stuff in the fire. I didn't do it. Somehow, this calf just came out of the fire. Wow. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Aaron, Aaron, that was bold of you to do that, Aaron. That was, whoa, I wouldn't have done that. That was bold of you. Huh? And, and I'm, you know, I'm walking by the bank, and all of a sudden, boy, that money just jumped into my pocket. I don't know how it happened. Wow. That, he wasn't being honest. Imagine that. And God was trying to get at something in his heart. God, God was trying to say, Aaron, look what you did. You got into idolatry and, all, and trying to correct him. And here he is trying to, it wasn't me. See, there's an honesty and humility. There's an honesty and humility that says, Lord God, yes, I, I, I did that, God. And I'm so sorry. If he would have just repented, if he would have just repented. I just want to share with you just two more. And do you remember King Manasseh, 2 Chronicles, go there, 33. 2 Chronicles 33. King Manasseh was one of the worst kings ever in the land of Israel. One of the worst kings ever. If if I'm not mistaken, I have to check my history on that. I'm pretty sure Manasseh was a guy who had the prophet Isaiah killed, uh, had him literally sawn in two. Uh, Imagine that. Imagine how bad a king he had to be to do something like that. He even sacrificed his own children. He was the worst king ever. The worst king ever. But after he was taken captive, God allowed him to be taken captive. That affliction that dark night of the soul, something happened when he was afflicted. Something happened to Manasseh, the worst king ever, when he got captured. And the word of God says in 2 Chronicles 33, right in verse 12, now when he was in affliction, he was being in captivity, he implored, he he sought God. Look at Manasseh. He implored the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him, Look how Manasseh, in the time of affliction, now he wasn't doing this when he was king, doing all this terrible stuff, but in that chastening, in that time of affliction, he said he prayed to him and he received his uh, entreaty and he heard his supplication and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom and then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. God restored him because he prayed and he sought repentance. God restored, no matter how bad he is, don't count anybody over yet. Don't count yourself done yet. Listen to me, my people, don't, listen, we, we've done things, don't count yourself out and don't count out that loved one yet. I know you see some hard things, I know that. I know you see some difficult things, but don't count them out yet, why? Because God hears a broken heart. God hears a repentant cry and that's where God comes and if he can do something in Manasseh's life, oh my Lord, what he can do in our life. He restored Manasseh because Manasseh prayed, sought God, repented, praise God. Don't count anybody out. That's why you pray. That's why you pray. You pray for them. You be a light to them. You don't judge them. You pray for them, praise God. And you keep praying until God has a work. And I remember Peter. Peter was restored by God. We know that. After he wept bitterly about denying Christ. And no one had a, a closer walk than Peter with Christ. He actually was with Christ. And he walked. But he denied him three times. We know that story. And what did Peter do in his failing God? Word of God says he walked away. He walked away and went fishing. And we know the rest of the story. He was restored by Jesus. You know, do you love me and feed my sheep? He was restored. But he walked away. And my heart breaks to know that there's so many people who think they've failed God and they simply walk away. And I just want to share something as well, that sometimes maybe there's someone that you know maybe failed God. Maybe someone you know maybe just fell into sin and, 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 and you found yourself walking away. See, who, 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 who told you to walk away? Who told you to walk away from those who failed, those who sinned, those who got caught by sin? Who, who told you to walk away? I don't see that in, in the word of God. I see something else I'm going to speak about in a second about that God restoring us. But watch out. Don't, don't, don't walk away from situations where there's failure or trouble. Why? Don't, 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 don't walk away. Because Christ never walked away from us. You know what I found out a long time ago? That people walk away spiritually before they ever walk away physically. I've seen some marriages, some situations where the husband walked away spiritually many, many years ago before he actually left the house and vice versa. No more walking away. You stay. Work it out. You pray. Let God do that deep thing in your heart, not that person's heart. See, sometimes God allows you to see the failure of others to show you your heart. What's your response? Are you mad? Are Are you judging? Are you this? Are you that? Rather than, Lord, help me to pray and help me to love them through God, just like you restored me, Lord God. Just like you did it in me, Lord God. I think God is putting some people on some people's hearts today that you need to go help and to restore. I'm going to speak about that in a second. And lastly, I want to speak about this prophet Elijah. Remember Elijah? I'm going to paraphrase this story. 1 Kings 19. There was this prophet Elijah who had this great victory at Mount Carmel. A great victory at Mount Carmel. Remember that? And then a few short hours later, he ran away from Queen Jezebel. He got intimidated. He got scared. He got fearful. So what did he do? He ran into a cave where the the Lord fed him, the Lord took care of him, but he ran into a cave. And the word of God says that he had his mantle in his head. He realized he failed God. He held his mantle, his cloak in his head, and he put his head in his cloak. And maybe he cried or maybe just in despair or shame. And God's word came, and again, I'm paraphrasing the the story. God's word came and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing in this cave, hanging your head down? What what are you doing? I I know you ran from Jezebel, but what are you doing in this cave? And twice the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing in this cave? I have some other things I want you to do. I want you to anoint Elijah and, and do these things. What are you doing in this cave? And it so struck me that sometimes because of failure or because of missing God or because of falling prey and being overwhelmed by sin, sometimes we tend to go live in that cave that that shame and guilt has brought upon us. We go live in that cave that, that our, our failure has carved out of the rock. And we tend to live in that cave, in that shadow, in that cold, dark place, and we think it's Christianity. And it's not Christianity. It's 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 a kind of captivity that that, that failure and shame and guilt keep you in, and you think it's it's Christianity, but it's not. And maybe there's some today that God is saying to you, You gotta get out of that cave. I know you failed, God says, but I want to restore you. What are you doing there? What are you doing that depressed? What are you doing not serving? What are you doing feeling sorry for you? What are you doing feeling like, like it's all over? What are you doing in that cave? And God says, no, it's time to get out of that cave. That failure has cut out of that rock. It's time to come out of that cave and start to live according to my plans and purpose. Uh, let me restore you. And God wants to restore you, praise God. And maybe it's time for something to come out of that cave. And start to live in the light of Christ. Start to live in the light of his forgiveness and in the light of his restoration and stop living in that dark place where you so get used, don't we get used to the dark places? We get used to it. We think God is mad at us. And we think it's what we deserve because we, we failed God. We grieve the Holy Spirit and we feel, well, this is what we deserve. No, 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 no. Change that thinking. That's a lie from hell. Allow God come to Him with a repentant and true heart, and let Him restore you and build you back up. Praise God and get you back where you belong. Praise God and start serving and praising God. Amen. That's what He so wants to do, because He loves you. 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 Have you can come up? Music minister coming up. Let me let me ask you this question: He reveals His forgiving life to you. Is He your restorer today? How are you living right now in the face of your failure, in the face of your mistake, in the face of your sin, in the face of how you blew it? How are you living right now? Are you just there wishing for something to change and something to happen? Are you just there right now saying, oh, it'll get better if I do this, if I do this? Fooling yourself. You're going to stay right where you are without Jesus Christ. Without a a true change that only God restores, you're going to be staying right where you are. And that's no place where God wants you. Why does God restore? I know we have a covenant with him. He forgives, he restores, he heals, he delivers. Praise God. We, Pastor Reggie speaks about that all the time. Praise God. And I know there's lessons that we need to learn through failure and affliction. And you may be in the middle of some kind of failure or affliction right now. But you need to come to God's restoring grace and mercy. Because right now he's still your savior. He's your restorer if you want him to be, praise God. But I just want to share this with you before I close and we have a time of prayer. When our failure meets God's love, what do you think wins out? When our failure meets God's grace, what do you think overwhelms? It's always his grace and his love that we need to come to before. What does God restore? Well, Psalm 51 verse 12 says, David cried out, restore the joy of my salvation. Sometimes in that dark night of the soul, sometimes you don't even think you're saved anymore. Sometimes you you, you feel so far from God, so, so far that he comes and restores the joy of your salvation. Oh, he can restore that joy. You're saved. You got an eternal destiny, praise God. And God is with you. You have great covenant, precious promises. And God says, when I restore you, I'm going to restore the joy, your joy, that you are saved, praise God. And you got an eternal destiny and glory, praise God. Don't lose sight of that. And maybe sometimes he needs to restore that in us. The word of God says in Joel chapter 2, verse 25, he could restore the years that were lost or stolen. Oh, man. I think we all have time wasted in, in our past. God says, I can restore that. And he's not going to put us back in time. But he can restore that heart. He can restore the years that were stolen from us, praise God, if we just allow him to restore us. Amen. Word of God says in Ruth chapter 4, verse 15, he is a restorer of your life. Lord God, restore my life, Lord God. I don't want to just exist, God. I want to live, Lord God. And he can restore that life in Christ, in Christ. That zeal, that energy that knows that we're saved, that God is with us, that we've got the Holy Spirit, it changes everything, praise God. But he can restore that because he says so. Isaiah 58 verse 12 says, he restores our paths. He gets us back on track. He shows us the plan for our life. He shows us where he wants us to walk. He shows us what he wants us to do, praise God. Because sometimes when we're in sin, we lose sight of that. And we're all over the place. And God says, I'll restore the past of your life. I'll show you what it means to live. And I'll show you my will and purpose for you if you just allow me to restore you. Psalm 23.3 says, he restores my soul. Oh, thank you, God. The essence of who we are. He restores who we are. He restores our identity in Christ. He restores our hope. He restores God's dream for our life. He restores it. And only God can do that. And I'll close with this. Why does God restore us? Why? He doesn't have to. He can let us go and move on to other people. Why does he restore you and I? Why? Well, one is he loves you and he doesn't want to lose you to that sin. He doesn't want to lose you. Imagine that. He, loves, he doesn't want to lose you to your own self, to your own flesh. He doesn't want to lose you to this world. He doesn't want to lose you to that sin or, or, to the, or to your own situation. He doesn't want to lose you to what's trying to overwhelm me. He doesn't want to lose you to Satan. He doesn't want to lose you. Why? He loves you. When's the last time someone came to you and says, I don't want to lose you. I love you so much. I don't want to lose you. God is saying that to you right now, especially the one right now who's in failure. He doesn't want to lose you. He's going to restore you because he loves you. He doesn't want to lose you. Amen? Second reason why he restores us. There's only three. I believe There's more, but the three God gave me. Second reason, one, he needs you to be 100% for the kingdom. Oh, come on. In this world, Heather sang that beautiful song. He needs you and I, listen, he needs you and I to be 100% for the kingdom of God. We need to be about our father's business. And we don't need to be walking around this world defeated, living in that cave of darkness. Woe is me. He needs us to be 100% to speak the gospel of life to those outside these doors. Praise God. And we're not going to do it if we feel like a failure. We're not going to do it. So God said, listen, I need you to be 100%. I want to restore you. I need you out there. I need you in the fight. I need you preaching that word, sharing that word. I need you praying for people at Walmart. I I need you doing that. I need you. I'm going to restore you. Because I got a call on your life and I need you to have that, ma- uh, <clears throat> that ministry of reconciliation. I need you. And he needs us to be 100% praise God. But I think one of the greatest reasons why he restores is the last reason. Is because once we're restored, go restore someone else. Once we are restored, now you go restore somebody. Now you go allow God to use you to use you in a chain of restoration. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Brother, if a man is overtaken by any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in spirit and gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And Luke 22 verse 32 says, Peter, after his sifting, what did Jesus say to him? He said, Peter, when you're returned to me, in other words, when you're restored after the sifting, Peter, you go restore your brothers. You go take care of somebody. And God wants to restore you. Because he's going to need you to go restore somebody. To go pray for somebody. Show them love. Show them who Christ is. Because they're in that dark night of the soul. And they don't even think God loves them anymore. Maybe you're the one God is going to send to speak light. To speak life. To let them know God loves you. He's not done with you. He restored me. And let me share how he's going to restore you in Jesus' name. Can we give him a praise right now? Say thank you Lord God. Amen. Amen. And before we close, just want to pray, but I need to ask you just two questions before we pray. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ? Are you walking with him? Not that you know Him in your brain, but have you given over your life to him? Do you have a, a literal relationship with the living God, Jesus Christ? And that comes by a decision. Remember those decisions we spoke about? It comes by a decision to say, "Lord, I don't want to live apart from you anymore in this life, Lord God. I don't want to live my own way, God. I want you to be my Lord, my King, my Savior, God. I'm a sinner who needs to be saved, Lord God. I can't save myself. My sin is too great. My past is too great. My emotions are too great. Lord, I need you to save me from this world, this perverse generation, Lord God. And I want to have a life, God, living with you. I want that relationship with you, Jesus. 24-7, 365, Lord God. I need to know that my sins are forgiven, Lord God. And I need to know that you are in my heart. You are my God. And even on a worse day, God, I can still know that you are my God because you saved me, Lord God, and you changed my life. If you've never made that decision, you've got to make that today because we don't know how short the days are out there. So I want to pray with you. If you're saying to me, says, Pastor, says, I want to make sure that I'm saved. I I want to give my life over to Christ. I want to believe that he died for me on that cross and saved me on that cross, God, and forgiven me of my sins. And I believe that the only new life I can have is in Jesus Christ. And if you want that new life in Christ... I just implore you right now, just raise your hand, and I want to pray with you right now, you and I. If that's you, just raise your hand, and let me know it's you, and you and I are going to pray together in Jesus' name. Let me know. said so, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me, Pastor? Would you pray for me right now to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Anybody here at all, praise God. Amen. And I thank God that we know him today. That makes all the difference in the world. And as Heather plays, I'm just going to, going to open up these altars as we close our service. And we're going to come to you right now and what it like you to do this if you're bold enough to do this. And say, Lord God, two things. One, Lord, forgive me my sins, God. I come with a repentant heart. I, I, I want to bring my failure to you, God. I failed in this part of my life, God. Whether it's not loving God, whether it's problems with a spouse or children or, or gross sin, whatever it may be. Lord, I want to bring my failure to you. Lord, I blew it. I'm so sorry. And come with a repentant heart. Say, Lord, I want to bring this part of my life, this failure of my life, I want to bring it to you, Lord God. And I'm going to ask you, God, to restore. God, restore my heart. Restore this relationship. Restore my marriage. Restore my heart. Restore the vision you gave me, Lord God. Restore whatever you need to restore me, Lord God. But I give you rain today. So let's all stand. Let's all stand right now. If that's you, were are you saying, Lord God? I want to bring my failure to you right now. And don't be embarrassed because we've all failed. I want to bring my failure to you, God. I repent in Jesus' name. And, Lord God, turn this thing around, God. Restore my life. Restore this in Jesus' name. So I want you to come up as we sing this song. Just come up before the altar. We're going to pray for you that, God, do a mighty change in your heart today. Just come up right now as we sing this song. Just going to pray right now. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for how good you are, Lord God. Thank you, God, for your word that reaches deep into our heart, Lord God, and and changes us, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and every single one of us, Lord God. Every single one of us. And, Lord, we come before you right now with a repentant and sorrowful heart, Lord God. We come before you and lay down our failures before you, Lord God. Big, little, it doesn't matter, Lord Jesus. We lay our failures before you, God, and we are so sorry, God. With a repentant heart, Lord God, we come before you what a sorrowful heart we come before you, God, just like David did, Lord God. And Father, so sorry, God, for allowing that to fall into that thing, Lord God. But God, I thank you, God, that as we bring not only our failure to you, God, but as we bring a, a broken and contrite heart before you, God, that the devil can't touch, Lord God, I thank you that you not only forgive us, God, but you restore, God. You start to work deep in our heart, God. You're a God that restores, God. <clears throat> You restored so many we spoke about today, God. And many, for some of us, God, it's time to maybe get out of that cave, God, that that, that that failure has cut into our lives, God, and to start to have that hope back, get that joy back, Lord God. Get that peace back. Get that walk back with you, Lord God. So, Father, we ask today, God, that as we bring you these failures, God, with a repentant heart, we thank you for forgiving us, God. God, help us to know that you're not mad at us, God, that you're not disappointed in us, God, but that you love us. And none of this took you by surprise, Lord God. Father, we even thank you, maybe for that time of affliction, God, where you so reach down and, and, and grab our heart, God, to change what you need to change, God, because you love us, God. We stand at this altar call because you love us, Lord God, and because you're not letting us go and not want to lose us, Lord God. And Father, I thank you for, as we come before you today, God, that, Father, you're beginning that restoration, Lord Jesus, Oh, God, restore, God. Restore what we thought was over, God. Restore what we thought was lost, God. Restore, God, what our sins seem to take away, Lord God. Restore, God, what our failures seem to to rub in our face sometimes, oh, God. You are a God that restores, God. You're restored because you love us and, and you don't want to let us go, God. And you want us to be about the work of the kingdom, God. And, Father, you want to use us, God, that as you restore us, God, give us a word to go speak to restore someone else, God who is in that dark night of the soul, God, who feels like you don't love them, Lord God. Father, we're going to receive by faith, by faith, Lord God, that right this very moment, you are restoring, God. Whatever path that may take, Lord God, whether it be through the trial of affliction, God, no matter what it may be, God, whether it be through blessings, God, whatever path that may take, God, we say yes to you. And we're going to trust you, God, that at the end of that path, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay because you're working deep in our hearts, God. So, Father, today we want to thank you, God. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your new day. Thank you for your restoration, God. When we leave this place, God, we're going to leave differently than when we first walked in, God. We may have walked in living in that cave, God, but we're going to walk out of this place in the light of your glory, Lord God. We're going to walk out in the light of restoration, God. And we just want to say right now, Lord God, because you're so good, thank you. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for restoring us, Lord God. And Father, use us to go restore someone else who's hurting today, Lord God. Father, thank you for doing a deep work in our heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise. Be joyful. Give him praise. Say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord God. Isn't God good? Isn't it amazing? Give one more praise right now and say, thank you, Lord God. We love you. We love you. We love you, Amen. Go walk in God's love. Go restore somebody, and we'll see you at our second service.